0: Michael, this is all very confusing.
1: President Biden recently announced a controversial plan to forgive student debt. In today's episode, we'll attempt to flex our self-control muscles a bit in order to put aside our personal opinions and debate strictly the economic implications of this plan. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today is Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino and Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions comments or maybe just a suggestion for a topic on our next episode email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com and as always if you like our podcast help us out and hit that follow button on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer so uh, this pod would be i think totally Boring without opinions, and honestly, I think we're probably kidding ourselves if we think we have that much self-control. Anyways, so let's try to set some guidelines. I'm so relieved to hear you say that. Yeah, I I think that's just. (laughs) It's just totally unrealistic, right? So let's let's at least try to set some guidelines. So first, let's um, let's define sort of what this plan is, who benefits from it, and you know, we'll talk about maybe some of the major components that make up the entirety of the program, and then afterwards free all cage match. We'll, we'll say whatever we want to say. So Tino, you actually wrote about this a few weeks ago. And by the way, if anybody wants to read Tino's piece, it can be found at darwinwealth.com slash insights in two sentences or less, Tino, define this thing for
2: our listeners. As objectively as possible, I will define it as a way to, uh, student, student debt is a, you know, it's, it's a it's a large burden on on a large part of, of the country and basically the idea is to forgive a portion of that debt to help americans fix their personal balance sheets to a certain degree it doesn't forgive all of the debt per se at least in this current format but the idea is to kind of alleviate some of that stress but but really there are three parts to the program there's the forgiveness portion where there's just you know dollars or $20,000 of debt that just goes away. There's a forbearance component. That's the second component. That is basically extending uh, the timeline to, to pay your student loans, which that started during the lockdowns. Uh, obviously, people are losing their jobs and whatnot, so they they kind of basically put a pause button on payments. The third component, which is what we're going to need to talk about quite a bit today, is this this IDR, this um, income-driven repayment. This, this is... This is where I think a lot of the controversy is going to happen. And I'm not talking about controversy like should they or should they not forgive student debt. I'm talking about contra- economic controversy of sorts.
1: All right, so let's let's start with that first piece, the forgiveness. And let's outline exactly what is, is being forgiven and who is eligible.
2: As the plans program stands today, individuals earning less than $125,000, I think it's 250 dollars for families, uh, that's annually. They'll be eligible for up to I think ten thousand dollars in debt, quote unquote debt cancellation. Uh, Pell grant recipients; those are uh, kind of hardship type uh, grants. That's it, it's it's about twenty thousand uh, dollars in debt reduction. So that's that's the first component of this plan. Okay. Second piece
1: is the forbearance, and I mean this one's fairly self self explanatory. But
2: yeah, that gets pushed back to December thirty first of this year. So basically, it's. This is a program that Trump started when he was in office. And then since then, Biden's extended it a few times. So this is this is this is probably I don't know exactly maybe the third or fourth time they've extended this program. All right. And the third piece.
1: And and like you said, you know, this is easily the most most controversial piece of this plan, which
2: is the income driven repayment. You want to explain how that's going to work rather than get into the the nitty gritty because it's a. You know, It's it's very technical if you just read the definition. So I'll give you an example of, of how it would work. That's probably the best way to do it. Basically, let's say, uh, take the poverty line for a single individual, which is just under $13,000. So basically, what it, the way it would work is, let's say that you take out $50,000 in loans. The way the IDR works is that the payment on those loans is not based on the amount that you've borrowed, but rather your annual salary above the poverty line that the government has determined, okay? So what that basically means is you've taken out 50,000, but it doesn't matter whether you took out 500,000, okay? You could take out $2 million. It doesn't matter because your monthly payment is based on your income. So if you make $30,000 a year, your monthly payment is effectively zero based on this poverty line estimation that they put together. So you would never pay anything on the loans. It would never accrue after 20 years, it would just go away, okay? If you made $100,000 a year, your payment would be based on whatever that that differential is above $30,000. So in this instance, $100,000 minus $30,000 is $70,000. But you're capped at 5% of of that number. So you would pay no more than $3,500 a year. So the problem and the controversy around this IDR is that, like I said, you don't it doesn't matter how much you take out. It's all based on your salary. So you are incentivized in many ways to take out as much money as you can. I
1: mean, honestly, you're incentivized to take out as much money as you can and make as little as possible, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, this makes no sense. And there's a piece that you actually didn't touch on yet, which is the forgiveness. And, and, I, and I think that's also important here.
2: Yeah. I mean, after 20 years, all, it doesn't matter how much you pay back. After 20 years, the debt would go away. Okay. So it doesn't matter how much you take out because, and, and there's no, there's no risk associated with this. It, 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 it just, the debt disappears. So where is this money coming from? If if I'm a student,
0: right? I'm, I'm, I'm 17 years old, I'm a high school senior and, and I'm borrowing money, who am I borrowing it from? Who's, who's cutting me this check?
2: Basically the government.
0: Isn't it a private institution that's, that's backed by the government? It's guaranteed by the government, or is it truly the government?
2: I mean, it's, there there are different sources. It's like government. Or excuse me. It's like uh, it's like mortgages. You've got a couple of GSEs or government sponsored entities, and then you've got some private mortgage insurance, or, uh, private mortgage brokers, things of that nature. So, the money can come from different sources, uh, but for all intents and purposes, it's the government writing the check.
1: It's going to have to be because if it's private money, I mean, let's, let's face it. Let's look at how this works, right? Let's say I'm a private lender. You come to me and, and you're looking for a college loan. I mean, the first thing I'm going to do is, and I realized that, you know, this is a student. So obviously, um, You know that student is is probably not making any money, but I'm going to look at the the parents. I'm going to look at the family. I'm going to say, you know, what's the situation here? Is this a a family where the you know it's a single income family making fifty five thousand dollars a year? I'm probably not super interested in lending money to that family because I already know what's going to happen, or at least I have a good idea. You know, is it a family where they're making a half a million dollars a year and this person's probably going to graduate and go on to a family business or something of that nature?
0: Well, the likelihood of repayment is significantly better at this point. But does our government under this new program guarantee that you're going to get repaid? Who's forgiving this loan? You as the private lender are probably not forgiving the loan. You're probably getting reimbursed by the government, are you not?
2: That's basically what's going to happen is the government's going to forgive the loans, right? So... It's, you know, and if you think about, I mean, look, the incentives are quite perverse for the borrowers. There's no question. But think about the colleges too, right? The colleges have no skin in the game. I mean, if you think about what's really been going on for years, this, this is not what's going to happen. This is what has been happening for decades now. I mean, you, I personally look at undergrads as mules, right? They're, they're, they're taking drugs across the border. It's the same thing. They're taking money from the government, they're they're literally handing it to these universities, and these universities have no skin in the game. They don't care. They don't care if these kids rack up 250 grand in debt and end up, you know, uh, flipping burgers, because they got their money, and there's there's nothing that ties them back to the success of the degree that they are trying to achieve or, or trying to attain. So, uh, the program is already a little screwed up just f- from an incentive standpoint. This is going to throw gasoline on top of that.
0: This, this reminds me of, you know, the, the pre 2008 predatory lending thing, right? This sets up, this really sets up the incentive to loan money to people that, to loan as much as you possibly can, right? From, from the lender's perspective, why would you not, that's their business. That's how they make money by, by lending money. So what do I care if I'm guaranteed I'm going to get repaid?
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, and based on the, on. And the response that Tino had, which is that the government's going to forgive it, then I'm going to reverse. If I'm a private lender, I'm actually only going to lend to to people making under, right? I'm right. going to lend to the poorest that I can find because I'm guaranteed right. to get my money.
2: Look, it, it goes back to if I'm going for a fine arts degree, right? Because I don't really want to work that hard in college. So I've got one school that's going to charge me 500 grand, or I'm sorry, $50,000 for the degree. I got another one over here, $250,000, but comes with like spa treatments and like nicer dorms and you know, you get food brought to your room and all these different uh, perks now that are associated with these undergraduate degrees, which by the way, all of those exist. I'm going to go for the 250000 Why? Because it's not my money. It's going to get canceled. And most importantly, my monthly payments are going to be the same, right? Because it doesn't matter how much I borrow. It goes back to how much am I going to make after my degree, uh, after I graduate. So, it, it's it, and, and like I said, all this stuff is going to go away after 20 years anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And when you get student loans, here's the best part. You can actually borrow for quote-unquote living expenses. Take a wild guess what's going to happen with that, right? If I'm 18 years old and I don't have to pay it back, I'm 100% going to borrow as much as I can, and I'm going to dump it into my crypto account, my Robinhood account. I'm going to go out to Eddie V's twice a week. I'm going to spend money like crazy because I'll never have to pay it back.
0: You're not going to Eddie V's if you're 20 years old. Yeah, I'm not dumping any into my yeah.
1: crypto or my Robinhood. I'm, I'm yeah. going ham. <laughs> I'm going nuts. That I, 100% of that money is going straight to the liquor store.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, no, you're kidding. right. I mean, that, if you're 18, I mean, I think yeah, Tino for forgot sure. what it was like yeah. to be 20. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kids do these days. I, I assume that they're doing Robinhood, but what do I know? Yeah. Well, your daughters are going to be able to easily manipulate you, I guess. Oh, my you, God. You
1: better they, get on your game, They table. already are. <laughs> they already
2: are. I caught my, my daughter the other days in my wallet pulling uh, $20 bills out and playing with them. Like, she just instinctively knew that those were important. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird, actually. A
1: couple days ago, my son told me he wanted to move to a, a, a bigger house. And my wife
0: said, well, how are you going to pay for it? And he said, oh, Papa's money. <laughs> yeah. They, they know. Listen, can you get, can you get loans for preschool? are those forgivable that's a good question man that's a great idea actually i like the way you think i don't think alfie's gonna have any any significant income anytime soon he won't have to pay anything back yeah exactly that's that's not a terrible idea at all what what is the age can i go can i go borrow money and go to college and, and take a student loan
1: you could but you're not going to meet the income requirement though
0: well i could retire first that's true I mean, there's got to be a million ways to game this thing. I mean, people have been gaming this thing for years as it is. Now we've just created a million other loopholes, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, its I have my opinions on the university system in this country, and and I'm a product of it, right? I I had all this. I've got the degrees. I've spent, I mean, this is many, many years ago, decades ago at this point, but I mean, I spent a lot of money 20 years ago to get my MBA or 15 years ago, whatever it was. Today, I think it's like double the cost. Yeah. Did you pay it back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you, that's what you do. Yeah, you, pay, I, you
0: pay your bills. So listen, I, I think we, I think we, we slipped from objective to subjective about two sentences into this thing, right? What's amazing to me is I don't understand where all of a sudden there's virtue in in taking as much money from the government as we can and, and not paying it back. It, it doesn't really make any sense to me. I guess my own personal code of ethics is if I borrow money, I pay it back. I mean, if I go borrow money to, to, to buy a car, you know, am, am I going to expect the government to forgive my loan? Oh, listen, I needed the car to get to work. I You know, it's just like I needed a degree to get a job. So so why shouldn't the government forgive my car loan? I mean, where does it end? I don't really understand this whole thing. You know, there's a
1: value, an educational value, I guess, to, uh, to my point, in repaying the loan, right? I mean, it's you go to college. Now you're on the hook for X, right? It, it puts you in a position where, number one, you better take advantage of what you learned in in school, right? You better put that degree to use. And two, you're learning along the way how to be responsible, how to make the proper payments, how to build your credit, how to do a lot of things that, quite frankly, they don't teach you in college, um, or I guess, depending on your degree, right? So th- there's, there's educational value, moral value. There's, there's value in repaying, you know, there's economic value, obviously, in repaying
0: these loans. Well, what about just the, well, the feeling you get by, by repaying a loan, right? The feeling of accomplishment you get. What is it that you're instilling in someone by allowing them to borrow money, you know, doing this whole forbearance thing where, okay, now you don't have to pay for a long time. And then, you know, guess what? You just don't have to pay it back at all. What kind of values are you, are you, are you instilling in someone? I don't even understand this. What, what, what does that create? What, is, what does that person end up doing
2: later in life after learning that lesson? Look, there's some ancillary issues here going on here, or maybe call it uh, intangible ones that that are hard to quantify. You've you've now taken the risk out of fine arts degrees, right? Because there used to be risk. If you go to college and spend 200 grand and come out with a fine arts degree, you're probably never going to pay it back. And to your point, that's a good lesson to learn. But now you're saying, okay, there's no risk associated with going out into that fine arts degree because you don't have to pay it back. What does that do to the labor force? You know, I, I was a electrical engineer and math undergrad and I, you know, I was studying a lot and I had friends that weren't studying as much and and they partied a lot more than I did, all right? So when when, when you see, you're 18 years old and you say, okay, I gotta get a job and I gotta pay back the money over here through engineering and, and applied sciences that I, I would argue that our economy needs desperately going forward or you go, I'm gonna play for four years. I mean, what? What eighteen-year-old kid is going to say? You know what? I'm going to work my ass off. Like I, I, there might be a couple, but on the margin, you're going to see a lot more shifting to the to the risk-free fine arts degrees a party. Totally. Well, here's what I'm curious about: What happens if
1: because there's this this forgiveness at the end of ten or twenty years or whatever it is, right? So, what happens if I just just don't pay the loan at all? Even even my minimum payment. What if I just don't pay it? I mean,
2: it's eventually just forgiven, anyways. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I I, I do know that there are. Current provisions that allow you to kind of, you know, push off payments under under certain circumstances, but I don't know. You know, if you're making a hundred grand a year and you can't afford what is it, thirty five hundred a year in student loans, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. Well, who cares if you can or you can't afford
1: it? Let's just say in your example, right? I'm making hundred grand a year. My payment's thirty five hundred bucks. I can afford to make the payment. I just don't want to. I'd rather put my thirty five hundred dollars towards something else. So I just don't pay it, and I, you know, I push it off for X amount of time, and I, I hit that point where. It's
2: a full-on forgiveness. Then what? Honestly, I don't know. Based on the way this one's written, that's a good question. I mean, look, there's there's a lot of unknowns right now. So there's a um, there's a there's a a, a group called the Penn Wharton Budget Model. So obviously, uh, Warden Business School at University of Pennsylvania. This is a nonpartisan group. They're not political. They're just they're out there to, to kind of do their best to quantify potential legislation and, and budgetary decisions. And they have basically come out and said, at a minimum, this program is going to cost about $600 billion, a little bit over $600 billion. But they're like, look, because of this IDR, I'm quoting directly from from a press release, it could easily exceed a trillion dollars over 10 years. I mean, these are huge numbers.
0: It, it seems that the actual forgiveness, the actual you know, 10 and $20,000 forgiveness is all you read about. But honestly, it seems like the, that's the least significant part of this whole thing.
2: A hundred percent. When it comes to the actual numbers, yes.
0: Yeah, it's what they're setting up for the future. I mean, I, I, this just seems like a disaster to me. Is this is this officially passed at this point? Is there some is there some opera, some chance that that this could change? That's
2: what I was going to say. what's so the likelihood that this actually happens? All right, want to hear my conspiracy theory here? Well, it's not a conspiracy theory, it's, but it's here here's my thinking here is that no, this was issued as an executive order. So there's some legal uh, look, I know nothing about constitutional law, but there are some th- this there's al- it's almost certain this is going to end up in the courts. To some, to some degree, and, and it's gonna get probably decided by the Supreme Court at, at some point. But my, my theory here as a political one is that obvious, look, let's just be honest, what they're doing right now is they're buying votes for November, the Democrats, that is. And and this isn't a Democrat versus Republicans. They don't send us hate mail. I mean, both, both sides buy votes. They, they've been doing it for decades. This is just their opportunity. So they've been buying, they're, they're gonna buy votes for November. So, but play it out, let's, let's do a game theory here if this ends up in the courts after november they don't care they don't care if it if it, if it gets killed by the supreme court or, or if it passes if it, if it gets killed by the supreme court their goal was november midterm election votes and if it does if it does pass the supreme court then they've they've made their constituents happy but think about if it if it if it gets done before if it gets killed before november elections then what the, 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 the Democrats could do is come out and say, hey, look, this is once again the Republican Supreme Court who's sticking it to us. First it was Roe v. Wade, and now it's this, and they're going to use it against the Republicans. That's my theory. And, and by the way, it's a smart move. It's brilliant. No, I mean, I give them credit. I mean, it, look, the, politics is politics, and, that, and it's, a, it's a smart move. Yeah, I think
0: you're right. Politically, it's a win-win, right? It's a pretty good strategy. Totally. It's a pretty good strategy, right? What do you think
1: the odd— semi-unintended consequences of this could be from a from a university or college standpoint because i was thinking about it you know you know uh, tino we've been talking about it um you know quite a bit on and off over the past i don't know maybe six months about private schools private high schools right because we both have kids and we've we've been searching around to see sort of what's what's available to us and you know one of the things that i have noticed is that you know when when i was young and i think when we're all young sort of the number one uh, uh, value that schools would, would present was their, not only their graduation rate, but sort of, you know, their placement rate afterwards, right? You know, we graduate, you know, 99.9% of our students and you know, 80% of them go on to Ivy league schools, right? That was sort of their big selling point always. But over the past, you know, I don't know, a couple of years, if you start to go to the websites, you know I wouldn't say that that's not there; it's still there. But you're starting to see other things start to sort of creep in, like ESG, right? Equity. I don't even know what ESG stands
2: for. Equity, environmental, social, and governance, and DEI, which is the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, there's a lot of social stuff that's that's popping up. Exactly, and that's that's
1: that's really sort of creeping its way in. But with a, a plan like this, I've got to think that you know that's that that social aspect is going to take over. Right. And, and, and smart universities are going to figure out, you know, instead of marketing graduation rates, we're going to market the fact that, you know, we cater to, um, you know, underprivileged people. We cater to minorities. We cater to whatever it is that, that you know, is is politically the, the best thing to market to it in, in their particular area. Right. And graduation rates, um, you know, income uh, rates, um, earnings, things like that. I, I that's I would guess is
0: going to go away. Well, uh- I mean also isn't this going to cause tuition to, to just skyrocket? It's going to be outlandish. I mean I mean how, I mean I mean this is this is like I mean if I'm an insti- if I'm an institution you know and and I've got a you know a potential audience that's getting essentially free money you know I'm going to I'm going to jack up my prices to whatever I think I can get. It's free money. What do, what, what do they
2: care? 100% Nobody, that's to say that nobody cares. The students don't care. The universities don't care. And and think about what we're doing in terms of the do, potential dilution of the degree that we're looking for. I mean, like I said, when I went to business school, I remember that and pretty much every class I had was focused on business or finance or economics, something like that. I remember having one class called ethics. I know this is going to sound bad, but I was like, give me a break. I'm spending all this money to tell me about, I'm not like ripping off shareholders is a bad idea. Like I was I was really annoyed that I had to take that class because that should be obvious. Right. The curriculum's today. I mean, 30. I mean, I'm, I don't know what the number is. A quarter of it, maybe even more has nothing to do with the degree that you're looking for. It has to do with some of these other, you know, university agenda items. I don't even know what to call them.
1: Yeah. Plus, I, I I always thought the ethics thing is ridiculous, right? It's like I'm going to go to a class to teach me that it's wrong to rip off share, shareholders. If I'm the type of person that's going to rip off shareholders, I don't think going to that class is going to change my mind, right? I've I've already have sort of the the ethical standards that I've
2: <laughs> I've been. It, yeah, like what light bulb goes off? You're like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs>
0: So I don't know if you guys watch Bill Maher at all. I, I'm a big Bill Maher fan, and uh, I, I'm becoming one. He's he's becoming much more
1: centrist these days, right? It, he is, and it's like, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says, but you know, one thing that I really do respect about him is, is he's not afraid to sort of uh, criticize his own party, right? If if he thinks it's it's ridiculous, if it's just beyond common sense, it doesn't really matter who said it or who's 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 sort of putting it out there he's you know he's willing to criticize it um you know and and this has been a topic for him for for years now i you know i I wouldn't say this is anything new um you know and, and he's he's been uh saying for many years that you know we need to stop thinking about trying to make education more affordable and make it more unnecessary sorry make universities not education Yeah, he says it all the time. I think I hear it about it. I I watch him regularly,
0: and I would say he probably brings out about once every six weeks or something, right? Make universities. He actually just said it in the last episode, whatever it is you're trying to say, because I just watched that on a plane on my way back last night.
2: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you talk about uh, schools advertising. Remy mentioned this earlier about how schools advertising things other than education, right? So, you know, these schools that are are changing their curriculums to include, quote-unquote, agenda items. Here's a fun one. I mean, University of Michigan, for example. A year ago, so I don't know what it is today, but based on a report a year ago, they had 163 people identified as having some formal responsibility for providing DEI programming and services, 163. Uh, At the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, there were 13.3 times as many people devoted to promoting DEI as there were to people with disabilities. Like I can, there's bullet points of these schools. So my point here is that they're not advertising, hey, we've got the best engineering curriculum or mathematics curriculum. They're saying we've got the most DEI officers here. That's a selling point now. It's, yeah. And
1: it is. And I can speak to that personally because there is a private high school in the town that I, I live in. It's very uh, well respected, it's a high end school. And I looked into it to send my son there. And the very first thing that they promote when you go to their website is. Mind you, this is a high school with about 300, maybe 400 kids. The first thing is that they have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six
0: DEI ESG officers on staff six. Yeah,
1: that's crazy.
0: And those guys all have college loans. They're not paying back, by the way.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly
0: right. Goes full circle. Yep. A hundred percent.
1: So let's bottom line this Tino from a purely economic standpoint. Does this plan
2: make sense? I think the bottom line here is that uh, it's very difficult to look at this program in its current state and get excited from an economic standpoint. I think that it is a uh, there's some very significant flaws in it. But I think the bigger picture here is that this is not the first time and it won't be the last time that our fearless leaders in D.C. try to shove bad legislation down our throats. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. Uh, Both parties do it and each time we've come out fine. So from an investment standpoint, I don't see anything in this bill, at least as of today, that warrants a major shift in an investment strategy. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management
1: LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned
2: herein.